Fear no one, Jesus says. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. What is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus reveals to the disciples and especially to the twelve, the secrets of the kingdom of God. But there will, a time will come when he's going to want them to share that, to reveal that to the whole world, to every human being. And the, the biggest obstacle to the communication of this message is going to be what? Fear. Being afraid of what powerful people who oppose that message might do to you. He describes them as those that can kill the body, but not the soul. Rather, he says, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God, who is merciful and just, will judge us at the end of our time here on earth. If we acknowledge Jesus Christ before others, he will acknowledge us before the Heavenly Father. But if we deny him before others, he will deny us before the Father. Many years ago, I met a man who was from Iran, and he had been raised a Muslim, but he heard this message, which Jesus commanded the disciples to preach, and he believed, and he began a process of instruction in the faith. So, a priest would meet with him in a somewhat clandestine way and instruct him in the faith. He, I remember him telling me of the evening before his baptism on Easter. Uh, you know how we do a vigil? It's like three hours long or two and a half hours long. They stayed up all night reading the scriptures. And then he was baptized and confirmed and received Holy Communion. Well, that priest that brought him into the faith was bringing many into the faith. And the government authorities told him, stop it. But he refused, and guess what happened to that priest? He was killed. And so this man, his name is Zach, had to come to the United States so that he could practice his faith. Well, where is that priest now? He's in heaven. A very high place in heaven. Glorifying God with those many martyrs that came before him, those witnesses to Christ, those who imitated Christ in the shedding of their blood. Where will his murderers be in a hundred years? If they do not repent, they will be experiencing the eternal torment of hell. Jeremiah was persecuted by many powerful people. Our first reading is his expression of trust in God in the midst of that persecution. He knows that God will ultimately vindicate him against his enemies. In fact, he says that his enemies will be put to utter shame. This is vindication is not something that we can see, but we can know it for sure. It is represented in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. It is represented in John's vision, which is recorded in the Apocalypse, which describes the triumph of the martyrs over their persecutors. The Apocalypse gives us a deeper perspective of reality, what is happening in the spiritual realm and what will happen in the future. Sometimes, however, we see the vindication of those who are courageous in witnessing to Christ. We see their vindication over the course of years. In the late 19th century, Christianity had just 
begun, just begun to be spread in sub-Saharan Africa. And a key event in the growth of Christianity there was the death of the Ugandan martyrs. We celebrated their memorial on June 3rd. They were killed by an evil king for various reasons, but the primary reason was these were uh, teenage boys who served as pages in the royal court, and the king was accustomed to using them in a sexual way, uh, and so when they became Christians, they refused his homosexual advances. The gospel includes the truth not only that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins and rose again, and that he offers us eternal life. But the gospel also means a holiness of life and a way of living that contradicts the corruption of the world. When you read the eyewitness accounts of the last days of the Ugandan martyrs, it reads very much like accounts of martyrs throughout history. So when the king gathered them, he gave them a chance to renounce Christ and live. So these these are boys between maybe 13 and maybe some of them in their early 20s, some young men. And in unison, they said, we will not renounce Christ. We will will accept death. So they were uh, marched, two-day march to the location where their sentence was to be burned alive. And along the way, they are singing songs. They meet a priest who had instructed them in in the faith, and he is so sad, and they cheer him up. They tell him, not, don't be sad for us, Father. We're going to God. The first of them that was burned alive was Charles Luanga on June 3rd. And they started by just burning his feet. They charred his feet to a crisp, and he was still alive. And they asked him if he would renounce Christ. And he said no. In fact, he said to them, you know, You think you're burning me, but it feels like you're pouring water on me. And so these young men, they prayed to God. They sang songs as they were being killed. Well, the sacrifice of the Ugandan martyrs inspired many Africans to embrace Christianity. When I was in the seminary, we had four men from Uganda who studied there, wonderful guys. And three of them were named after the martyrs. I think there's over 40 of those Martyrs. It's a huge celebration throughout sub-Saharan Africa today on June 3rd. So not only does their example, is their story told to inspire other Christians, inspire people to become Christians, but I'm sure that as soon as their souls were taken to God and they were, they were there in heaven, that they began to pray for the people of Africa. And those prayers have been heard. And right now, Africa is the strongest part of the church in the whole world. An early church father, Tertullian, famously wrote that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so today's scripture readings, an example of the martyrs, are about the courage to proclaim Christ. So many Catholics don't share the faith with others because of fear. Fear of an uncomfortable conversation. Fear of what others might think of them, of others not liking them. Fear of perhaps maybe not prospering in one's career if one is known as a Christian. And so, so many who consider themselves disciples of Jesus Christ remain silent when errors and falsehood about him and his teachings are spread. So, I don't know if you guys know, I have a 
a niece named Miriam, my sister Stephanie's daughter, who is in the fifth grade. And Miriam, she goes to a public school, a charter school, uh, and she really loved her fifth grade teacher and really admired her. Well, a few weeks ago, before the end of school, this fifth grade teacher told the class that they were going to watch a video celebrating pride. This is about LGBT stuff. So Miriam raises her hand and she says, what if our family doesn't celebrate pride? And the teacher said, well, there's a lesson like other lessons and you're just going to have to sit here. And Miriam just repeated, what if our family doesn't celebrate pride? And then another girl raised her hand and said, yeah, my family doesn't celebrate pride. And another girl raised her hand and said, yeah, neither does my family. So the teacher didn't know quite what to do. So she said, okay, girls, you can wait outside as the video is being played. Guess what the girls were doing outside? They were talking about the Bible. And my sister, when she found out about this, was upset. She wrote to the school leadership. And don't get on the wrong side of Stephanie. She's a very forceful, convicted person of tremendous, tremendous intellect. So the, um, the administration issued an apology to all the parents of the fifth graders. Courage is contagious. And the spread of courage changes things for the better. But even if our courage does not result in a short-term victory, Jesus assures us that the courageous will ultimately be victorious.